and good coffee, everybody. It's time for some morning coffee with me. That's Larry. <laughs> oh, well, it's Tuesday. For some of us, it's back to work week after our, our uh, Labor Day holiday. I hope you had a good one. We had a good one here. Uh, did different assorted chores and things in the morning, and then... Um, we had a little gathering in the uh, afternoon and evening, uh, had family over, uh, and uh, celebrated my middle daughter's graduation from uh, uh, college with her associate's degree. She is going now to, I think it's Indiana State, to get her uh, bachelor's in uh, business management, business, mis business, oh, that's right, we decided it was uh, business degree unspecified. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of how we do it in mental health. If we know they're depressed, but we haven't figured out the diagnosis, it's depressive disorder unspecified. So this was business degree unspecified. <clears throat> but, uh, my, uh, uh, Oldest son, he uh, he smoked a big turkey yesterday. It was absolutely delicious. Kudos to him. And we've had uh, some grapes that have, uh, you know, come uh, become ripe. And <clears throat> my mom uh, stemmed them the other day, and they've been sitting in the fridge waiting to have something done to them. So late last, well, not well for me late last night. Uh, uh, did my first canning of grapes for making juice. Uh, found a recipe where you, in a quart jar, quart mason jar, you put a cup and a half of grapes. Uh, this is for Concord grapes. Put them in after they've been stemmed and washed. And then you put in uh, a quarter cup of sugar. And then you fill that up to an inch from the head space giving an inch of headspace um, uh, with hot water. And then you do a hot water bath for, I think it was 20 minutes, and then five minutes just sitting in the hot water and pull them out. And so I did seven quarts. I think it was seven. One, two, three. Yeah, seven quarts. And um, then you, you, set, you let them, they all sealed, thankfully, and then you just let them uh, sit for two weeks as it, extracts and swaps around the uh, the juice from the grapes. So we'll see how it tastes. I've never seen this recipe before. Uh, Dawn made some grape juice uh, last year where, you know, you cook it down and it's pretty concentrated. Uh, this, I guess, is supposed to be, you know, you just drink it, you know, just as is. So we'll see how that goes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got some some frog in my throat. You know, that is kind of a gross saying to think about having a frog in your throat. <laughs> anyway, we'll tell you what, uh, the uh, uh, topic I wanted to kind of jump into is actually something that one of my dearest friends from high school, Lori, had posted. And, um, she, I've seen several good things that she posts on her page. So this morning I tromped around it and found a few other things that uh, are really good and will make good topics. 
<clears throat> so thanks to her for being very thoughtful and posting things for uh, for her friends to see. The uh, the topic is is looking at depression. And again, you're going to hear me bring this topic up um, fairly regularly, simply because uh, when you look at the statistics, one out of every four women and one out of every five men uh, struggle with severe clinical depression. And if you don't recognize it, um, if you don't recognize symptoms, if you don't see what the high-risk situations are, guess what? You fall into this pit, and it is a pit. It is not something you can a lot of times just pull yourself out of. <clears throat> it's overwhelming for you. It's overwhelming for the family. And for those who are diagnosed with clinical depression, approximately 15% will commit suicide. And that's a horrible statistic. And so, you know, it's it's a fairly common thing. At some point in time in your lifetime, there is, you know, one in four or one in five chance that you will uh, meet the criteria for diagnosis. So this, this first one, I'm going to kind of dovetail two of them together with a little, you know, some of my thoughts on it. The, uh, the thing that was posted was, what people think causes depression. Now, this isn't what everybody thinks. More and more people are becoming educated on the topic. But this is still fairly common for people who haven't, had, haven't experienced this kind of depression or haven't had a close family member or close friend experience it. Um, but what people think causes depression is weakness. They're just a weak person. They just can't handle things or laziness, they just won't get up and do what needs to be done. If I'm feeling down, I get up and I go to work and I do this, they're just, they're just lazy. Or an inability to just suck it up. Suck it up. Embrace the suck. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Pull your socks up. Put, up, put on your big girl panties. Whatever the little phrases are that we use. If you just did that, you could just keep going. Well, it's not per se weakness, although there are certain circumstances where we are more vulnerable. And I'm going to talk about those briefly. It's not laziness. A lot of times it's extreme fatigue. And what is common and easy for other people to do or what they were able to do is, is now a monumental task. And the inability to suck it up, um, I think they're extremely well-versed in sucking it up. That's because a lot of times you won't see the symptoms because they are sucking it up until it's too late. Seriously, who thought Robin Williams was depressed? <laughs> Didn't his suicide totally blow people away? Could not believe it happened? And how many people do you know or know of where they had a family member who either attempted or succeeded at suicide and no one had a clue? It's because they were sucking it up. They were. 
So what is it that actually causes depression? Well, we have a list of, of different things, but I tend to put things into categories because you can have so many different things in lists. And the categories that I think of would be a trauma or traumas, could be multiple, could be a series, or overwhelming life events, which may not meet the, the, uh, the severity of trauma, but depending depending on where the person's at in their life and their level of vulnerability, an overwhelming life event <clears throat> can very much act just like a trauma. And the other, the third, is where it is something minor. It's something that's not all that big, but just like uh, a brick wall, it's not one gigantic chunk of rock. It's a whole bunch of little ones, when they're stuck together, make a great big wall. It's kind of like that, it's like that slow drip in your bathtub that you don't get fixed and the effect it has on your water bill at the end of the month. It's like the uh, uh, soil erosion. Every rain just washes a little bit more down. But over time, you now have a big gully. So let's look at this list and then see, you know, kind of like what, what does it fit into? Well, the first is trauma. And trauma is a very significant, out-of-the-ordinary, life-threatening type of event. Uh... Trauma is either it's life-threatening to you, to somebody else. It may include uh, severe physical assault or sexual assault uh, or, uh, you know, severe, you know, um, how do I want to put it? Like in the course of a wor your work, you're exposed to a whole lot of other people's traumas. You work in an emergency room, firefighters, police officers, uh, trauma, uh, trauma therapists. So trauma can definitely cause depression because this is something so severe and it's way outside the ordinary. Abuse. There's all different kinds of abuse. Uh, some, if we're able to get away from it more, it doesn't have quite the same effect. But when we feel trapped in abuse, either trapped where the person's not letting us go or we don't believe that we can get out of a situation and we keep enduring the abuse, that can cause depression, most definitely. Um, that can be, depending upon the severity, it can be traumatic, it can be an overwhelming life experience, or it can be like that, that gradual building of the brick wall or the erosion of soil. Neglect. You know, for years I have said uh, when when kids are, are having abuse by neglect, it's um, to me it's it's a in its own unique way it's a lot worse because it's really taking away the value that the person has as a person, and if they start believing it, then Boy, the damage that takes place. You remember the movie The Breakfast Club? Um, what was that one gal? She was dressed all in black. Uh, her real name is Allie something. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
But, you know, everybody that was there in the breakfast club serving detention had done something wrong. Except her. And one of the things that, that came out is, uh, as they were revealing themselves to each other, was that her parents ignore her. You know, there's emotional neglect, physical neglect. Bullying. Yeah. Bullying can take place at school. It can take place at work. It can take place in a neighborhood. Um, but whenever you've got, again, going with the idea of, is a person trapped in the bullying? Can they get away from the bullying? Is the bullying being ignored by people in authority? Uh, do, is a person vulnerable to the bullying? Is it large-scale bullying? You know, if it's one person doing bullying, that's one thing. What happens if the kid's entire class is doing the bullying? What if their whole grade is doing the bullying? Yeah, that's where you've got severe depression. And sadly, we see more and more suicides as a response to it. Chemical imbalance. Yep, that biochemical uh, factors, genetic factors can definitely play a part. Sometimes what's actually taking place when you have these different kinds of uh, factors, uh, the, the things that are actually causing the depression, over time, that can alter our brain chemistry. How we think, a lot of times we think that it's our brain that causes or changes how we think. Sometimes it's the other way around too. Sometimes how we think will change our brain chemistry and our brain functioning. Grief and loss, when we go through a death, especially a really significant one, yeah, that's, that's one of those big events, especially if, if it was unexpected. Um, when there's an unexpected death, we, a lot of times we... We were so unprepared, we don't know how to deal with it. You know, every now and then, you know, there will be, whether it's friends or classmates or somebody where the death was totally unexpected and, you know, you just don't know what to do. Sometimes it is expected. You have had time, but that person was so key in your life, there was almost that kind of like a healthy dependence, you know, you were just very, very involved. And that, you know, that transition of grief can sometimes lead to depression. Being over or, or overworking or being overworked, that can lead to it because you don't get to charge your batteries. That's one of those brick after brick after brick things that ties in with excessive stress. Stress is our body and mind's reaction to change. So if we are in a constant state of change with no feeling or belief about uh, stability, well, that can then lead to the fatigue that leads to depression. Being the carer at the expense of their own well-being. Um, I've had this conversation lately with different people, and that's being a caregiver has its stresses. When you are a caregiver, whether it's personal you know, or it's professional, um, there's a lot of stress with that. You're, you're taking over, in essence, certain responsibilities of another person. 
And that becomes a bigger part of your life than what you imagined. So caregiver stress is very big. Uh, another one here is genetic factors, and I already kind of touched a little bit on that. Uh, depression does run in families. There's, there's some biochemical uh, traits that can be passed down. Lack of fulfillment. You know, is, is what a person doing, is it, does it have a sense of fulfilling their lives? See, when I think about fulfillment, it's, it's an activity and it may be hard to do. But it recharges you. It recharges you. There's a sense of fulfillment. There's a sense of purpose. There's a sense of this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is my calling. And when we don't have that, uh, that becomes then a, a painful struggle that can also lead to depression. Lifestyle factors. There's different things in our life that can throw us off balance. There may be things that we're doing for, at the beginning, what seemed logical. And if it was short-term or temporary, may make sense. But we may have chosen certain lifestyle factors that aren't necessarily healthy, that aren't healthy for us physically or are not healthy for us emotionally or mentally. And when we have make those choices, again, it's... A lot of times on the short term, it doesn't cause the problems. But if we're doing it long term, that's where the problems come in. Body image issues. Body image issues. Yeah. How do you see yourself? Um, you know, when my mom got her cataracts removed, or one cataract removed, um, she hadn't really been able to see herself clearly in the mirror for several years. So in those kind of situations, your mind fills in the pieces. And I wasn't there, but I heard the report of when mom looked into the mirror for the first time after she got her cataracts removed. And she was in that moment devastated. There was an old woman looking back at her. And that took her a long time to work herself through, to get onto the other side. Because she had how she thought she looked, and then reality hit her when her cataract was removed. Other times we look at ourselves and we're not pleased. We're not pleased for whatever reason. Uh, sometimes it may be weight. Sometimes it may be scarring. You know, life can batter us. Sometimes we're in accidents. Sometimes we may have burns. We may have uh, had a, a situation where we uh, have lost parts of our body. I work with veterans, and sometimes they've had arms or legs blown off. They've had severe scarring. And they look at themselves, and it, it doesn't match how they want to be, or how they envision themselves. That can lead to it. Perfectionism. Boy, that's a treadmill. That's a treadmill you can't get off. You can't, you can't win at perfectionism. If you haven't started playing the game and you're considering it, please stop. Don't do it. It is very detrimental. Perfectionism often gets you know, um, encouraged by people around. Um, 
wow, look at what you're doing. You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. But it's like treading water in, you know, you're treading water and you're not moving. You're not swimming towards shore or towards a boat. You're just treading in deep water. And if you stop treading, you start drowning. Perfectionism, that's definite, ties in with uh, depression. Lack of social support. I had a person tell me not too long ago in, in a session, you know, I'm a rock. I'm an island. I love that song. That's who I am. So I let him talk for a little bit, and I said, now, do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be healthy? Because this isn't going to be healthy. I see it all the time. I see isolation, social isolation all the time, either self-imposed or imposed upon somebody, and that isolation results in depression. And finally, low self-esteem. Self-esteem, when I think about that, is, is the value you see in yourself. The value you see in yourself. And you know what? You're a whole lot more valuable than what most of you think you are. You are. And if you're around me and you you, you start displaying some low self-esteem or you start beating up on yourself, I'm probably going to call you on it. I'm going to call BS. I'm going to say, nope, that's not true. You have tremendous value. You may not see it, so you may not act on it. You know, if I have a high-performance car, if I have a sleek, beautiful BMW, and I never get the speedometer above 60, I'm not realizing the potential of that car. Because those suckers can go really fast. Those are the kind that you take over to Europe, or you rent one in Europe and you go on the Autobahn in Germany. <laughs> That's what you do. You, you, uh, you, you realize its potential and how many of us don't. You know, we get caught up in the day-to-day -day routine. We get caught up in the busyness and then we don't think that we're accomplishing things and we start feeling crappy about ourselves. We start putting ourselves down. No, do not do that and don't let me catch you doing that. Low self-esteem definitely leads to depression. So, after what actually causes depression, these things, at the bottom it says depression is a very complicated illness. There is, there's no simple solution that allows one to just snap out of it. Sometimes it takes therapy. Sometimes it takes medication. Most of the time, it can take both. Back around 2000, I did a study to... Uh, uh, or wrote a research paper. I had not written one since the advent of the internet of being available to everybody else because I finished my master's. Ooh, what year was that? Graduated in January of, what, 1991. No one had internet access, you know, except certain people in universities and government. And so in 2000, I decided I was going to write a research paper on depression just for the fun of seeing what it was would be like to do it, you know, when you had instant access to all these articles. And it was. It was fun. It was amazing. can't believe it's been almost 20 years ago. But what I did, I wanted to find out what was the most effective treatment, the most effective therapeutic approach 
for depression. So I started looking up all these different studies. And uh, what I found as I crunched all that data was um, that counseling and therapy alone was good, but was not the best. Medication alone was good, but not the best. But when you combined therapy and medication together, you had, you know, the best results. But the other thing that jumped out at me that, that I was surprised that it was measured and it was shown in the research was the most important factor when it comes to therapy is how well do you connect with your therapist? If you don't connect with them, there's a good chance you're not going to do the different things they're suggesting. Well, now, before our time is, is up, and I realize this one's going long, I want to read through the, uh, the next thing that I found on Lori's page that I wanted to tie to this. And it was, because you've heard me talk over and over again about the importance of how you interpret things. A bad situation doesn't mean you have to interpret it bad. It's how you look at things that will reduce your vulnerability for either anxiety or depression or whatever the factor is. How you interpret it is key. And this little listing here uh, is credited to Jackson Kittard. Oh, and the other one, it was, um, it was a meme from the Depression Project. Uh, at real, at real depression project, I guess is their Facebook or their Twitter, or however those kinds of things go. <laughs> but here's what this says, and this is about how you interpret anything that annoys you is teaching you patience. Anything that annoys you. Is teaching you patience. Anyone who abandons you is teaching you how to stand up on your own two feet. Anything that angers you is teaching you forgiveness and compassion. Anything that has power over you is teaching you how to take your power back. Anything you hate is teaching you unconditional love. Anything you fear is teaching you courage to overcome your fear. Anything you can't control is teaching you how to let go. See, each of those at the beginning could be interpreted negatively, but this statement shows that it can be interpreted positive. Now, if you don't get it, if you don't understand the positive part or how you can see it positive, don't just reject it and say you can't find it, you can't see it. No, don't do that. Take this as evidence that you need to think about this and ponder it more. You need to ponder it more because other people are getting it, and you want to get what they're getting if it's going to be helping you in a positive way. All right. That's it for today. I'll have both of these linked uh, or, or posted on the Facebook page, Morning Coffee with Larry um, Facebook page. Just do a search for it and you'll find it. Um, I hope you have a great day. Uh, 
the 3rd of September, we're here. We're officially, unofficially in default. <laughs> and uh, thanks again to Lori for, uh, uh, for these great uh, postings. Keep the postings going, people, because there's a lot of good truth and a lot of good teaching material. So, uh, and if you, if you see something, send it to me, send it to me or link me to it. And I'd sure appreciate it. Share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your enemies, whoever you think could benefit. And, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Don't forget to finish drinking your coffee. Bye-bye. Before you go, I just wanted to give a quick plug for another podcast that I record called the I Hate Anxiety Podcast. If you struggle with anxiety and would like some uh, information as well as practical suggestions and tips for dealing with anxiety, why don't you tune in for a listen? You can download it the same place where you download this podcast, the I Hate Anxiety Podcast. Have a great day.